Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us today on Camp Radio. My name is Kevin Pearson and I will be your host. Today we'll be discussing the challenges that come with starting a church plant that reaches all ethnic groups. Uh, we have with us today Nathan Awad. Uh, he is the pastor at the Family Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee. Nathan, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing us here. Well, Nathan, uh, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Uh, I'm Nathan Awad. I was born in Egypt in 1984 in a Christian family. And they loved the Lord and they uh, opened the Bible and they shared the gospel with me. And I accepted the Christ through that. Well, that's awesome. Now, you, we were talking earlier a, a little bit about that journey, which I think everybody would want to hear this. I know, how, do you remember how old you were when you accepted Christ? Uh, I was, uh, I think it was about like eight or nine or ten years old. Right. I don't exactly remember. Well, and you, you grew up in a Christian home. Well, tell me about that whole experience. You were talking about your father and your grandfather. Tell me a little bit more about that, how your family became Christians. Sure. In the beginning, we had a person, his name was uh, Jonah, or Yunan, if you want to pronounce it in Arabic. That brother, uh, he was the first um, uh, evangelical, or the Protestant thoughts, brought, he brought these thoughts and brought this faith uh, into our providence in uh, Egypt, where, uh, where I grew up. So he brought this and talked with uh, other people in our city. And the first person in our family, he was my uncle. He accepted Christ uh, from the, that person. And when he sat with him and opened the Bible and shared the gospel with him, so he, ac- he accepted Christ. So my uncle faced lots of problems and issues from my grandfather. My grandfather didn't like that at all because he went to the Coptic church. And the Coptic church is pretty much like a Catholic church, very traditional church. And um, he was very mad, my uh, grandfather, about my uncle did and about his, his, his conversion. So uh, also my father was really mad at that too and all the family was mad. My father wanted to kill Brother Yunan or Brother Jonah. He wanted to kill him, and he had an agreement with other family member to kill Brother Yunan. So they took they took an action, and they said, okay, we're going to go in his house and bring him out of the house and take him out of the city and just tie him to a tree and uh, spill gasoline and burn him uh, outside of the city limits. So they actually went to his house, and brother you know, and opened opened the door, and he accepted them in their in his house, and and they sit, and he, uh, he offered the things like he brought tea and things to them, and he was very nice to them, uh, and they uh, asked him if we can go out and uh, you can share the gospel with us, and he just brought the Bible and started talking about Jesus, 
Then um, the family member talked with my father, and he asked my father, aren't we doing it? Aren't we, we're supposed to take him outside of the city. We're supposed to go. Uh, we have our, our motorcycles. Our motorcycles, we're going to take him in outside and do our plan, accomplish our plan. Then my father told him, look at this person. He's very nice. So let's, put, let's do it later on. Let's listen what he wants to say. Then uh, my uh, father's heart uh, was really open at this point. Then when they went to, to their house, my father just started thinking about it, and he talked with my uncle about his faith. Then my uncle asked him, uh, would you just please read the Bible and see, read the book of John, the gospel of John, and see what the gospel of John says about Jesus? Then we can talk about that. Then my, uh, my father went and uh, read uh, first chapter, second chapter, third chapter. When he came to the third chapter, there's a Bible. There's a verse says, uh, "If you believe in the Son, if you believe in Jesus, you will not be condemned." And then he took this Bible verse and asked my uncle, "What does it mean? No condemnation for whoever believes in Jesus Christ." And he said, "If you believe in Jesus, you will not be blamed for anything that you've done in the past." Then my father told him, "Okay, now you made it even harder for me to understand." Because what my understanding is, when I do the, the church traditions, that means maybe one day I'll be saved. But in order for me to get this, to get the uh, to be saved at this moment, with just having faith and a belief in Jesus, it's not uh, it's something new for me. So he prayed with my father, and my father accepted Jesus days after that. That was, that happened when I was very young. So I don't even remember my father when he was not believer. Yeah, that is such a great story, though. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so what was it like to grow up in Egypt as a Christian? I mean, was, uh, you know, what what was was there any kind of conflict? Would the people accept you because you were a Christian, or did it really matter? What was it like? Uh, actually, I remember when uh, one of our uh, uh, from my father's uh, from my mother's uh, family, uh, they didn't even accept my father in their house. Mm. Uh, later on, they accepted him to come into their house. And when my father uh, wanted to open the Bible and read the Bible with him, and he said, no, the Bible just to be read at the church, mm. not, in their, not in our houses. Mm. Or if you're a priest, yeah, we can do that if you're a priest. But you're not a priest, so you're not allowed to op open the Bible uh, in my home. Yeah. At the schools, uh, kids, like when I was in the secondary, uh, secondary education, which like... Uh, seventh or eighth grade the coptic coptic kids they would think of us we're not uh, the real christians hmm. the the coptic churches they are the real christians because we don't do the traditional things like them at the church yeah. so hmm. yeah, it's kind of tough and hard yeah uh, but uh, i studied the bible when i was early in age so i can answer them about things they they did in their churches or the Coptic churches in general they do in their churches so I have to think and had to go to the Bible and know what the Bible say. Well, now uh, you you are uh, your your pastor at the Family Baptist Church in Nashville, but it's a, a Arabic church basically, right? Right, Arabic speaking church. Yes. So what is tell me a little about 
your ministry, your call to ministry, because you've been here in the states and you you were st- uh, you started this church. What was the uh, your your past, your background, the past before you started this church plan? Uh, when I was thirteen, I, I accepted Jesus before I was thirteen. So I between eight or nine or ten years old, that's that's what I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, then when I was thirteen years old, I went to my father and told him. I remember that day. I went and told him, my father, I want to be a, a preacher. I want to be a, a pastor. I yeah. told him I want to be a pastor. Yeah. And he said, okay, you will be a pastor. Mm. Just let the Lord use you in his plan, yeah. through his plan. That's awesome. Yeah. And then you came, you all then, came to the States. Then I came in 2008. Uh, I didn't actually know what, what, what really that I need to do, but I served at the Evangelical Arabic Church in Antioch right. uh, for almost eight years. Yeah. Uh, I served there, I uh, led the worship, I preached there, uh, I cared about the children ministry, mm-hmm. uh, I served with in, in the children ministry. Uh, then I've met with Pastor Raouf Ghattas. Mm-hmm. At that time I was uh, I started studying in the uh, Every Nation Leadership Institute. Mm-hmm. They, uh, uh, they have a passion for equipping, equipping pastors and worship leaders and uh, evangelism work and things like that right so i met with pastor rauf and his passion was going toward uh, muslim people right and i met with him and he wanted me to start um, a church at Tusklop hills mm-hmm. uh, i said uh, okay let me think and and pray about it and i'll let you know just give me a week then he called me in the middle of the week. He said, we're going to start this Sunday. Yeah. So be prepared for it. <laughs> <laughs> I told him, you didn't even know my answer. And yeah. he said, okay, you would agree. I'm pretty sure because it's <laughs> for God's glory. I told him, okay, I'll meet you there then on Sunday morning. So you uh, you all meet in Tusculum Hills Baptist Church. That's right. And you've been you've started your church plant how many years ago? Uh, 2015. 2015, great. So a uh, little bit more about yourself that you are you once were the strongest man in Tennessee that's right tell us a little bit about that how that came about and what that means um I started uh, lifting weights when I was 11 years old Mm -hmm. 11 years old uh, when I went to the gym the captain there he didn't accept me Mm -hmm. and he said you're still too young for that then I went to the house uh, I worked out at my home and I built some benches and bars and weights, concrete, the concrete weights. <laughs> I worked out for uh, six years in my home. Then I went to the, to the gym again to find, uh, not actually to find the captain, the same person, but I went to the same uh, gym that I, I went to six years before. So, and uh, I started lifting weights there. Yeah. Uh, a little bit later, um, the the same person who refused me at the beginning, uh, he saw me. He was in the military service, and he mm-hmm. came back and saw me very very strong. I was very strong yeah. f- compared to my age. And he said, uh, "Okay, now you're very strong. How did you get this strength? Where did you get this strength from?" Mm-hmm. I told him, "Just I've been working out uh, very hard at my house." And he said, uh, "Okay, why don't you come to the competition?" I asked him what competition or what sport, what even sports yeah. that you're talking about. He said powerlifting competition. It's all about uh, squat and bench press and deadlift, and you're you're very strong on this three of them. And I told I told him, okay, so that was uh, an Egyptian competition for the whole nation nationwide. Yeah. I placed first. Well, awesome. And the second competition, third competition, all the competitions that I've done in Egypt was first place. Yeah. 
um but there when i started there like to be honest with you there was a competition uh having all the edges to get the open class the, the class was open for everyone yeah so i was very young another person so i took fourth place but it, it was not a uh, formal competition right. because the formal competition they divided to different classes right. weight weight yeah. classes so I wasn't that big or that heavy when I was young. Yeah. <laughs> I'm different right now. So when I came back, to, when I came to United States in 2008, I competed, I competed with uh, Southern Powerlifting Federation. Mm-hmm. And the first competition that I competed with them, I did. I placed first. And hmm. second competition, I did first. Then I competed in another federation. It's uh, bigger. It's called the USPL, mm-hmm. United States Powerlifting Federation. Yeah. Uh, that's even bigger and stronger. I, I placed the first also there. And this competition, my first competition with USAPL, I did the uh, first place, and that was over eight different states. Yeah. I placed the first also. Wow. Then I went to um, another competition, uh, United States competition uh, nationwide. Yeah. I placed fourth. Wow. Then I went to uh, another competition, Arnold Class- Classic competition. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I did very good results on that yeah. too. But at that time, I was uh, serving the Lord mm-hmm. at that time. But I knew that the, the direction has to be changed. Right. I wanted to be a celebrity and I wanted to be a pastor. Yeah. I wanted to serve the Lord. So um, I was between these two choices. And I was asking myself all the time, what do I need to do? Right. Just obey the calling that I had when I was young, uh-huh. especially especially I started uh, to be a pastor mm-hmm. so I had to stop that direction right. and just give all my time to the Lord right. and then starting uh, uh, to work and ministering the Lord and ministering with Pastor Rauf back in 2015 that, that that's how we started the church mm-hmm. then I had to work secular job then do my pastoral job as well to, vis- to visit people and uh yeah, that's a different story. Well, yeah, but that, that's a what a journey that God has brought you through, which is, is pretty amazing. And so, in your bivocational, right? Right, right. So you have a full time job. And it's, it's a part time job. Oh, it's part time. Part time. Okay. So, yeah. and then your other part time is is the church. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, good. Well, tell me a little bit more about your passion for ministry. I know you have a a very specific direction for your church. So share with us what that is. The main thing is just reaching people to Christ and bring them to Christ, no matter if they Coptic or Muslim or even um, any other religion. We want, that's our passion, bring them to Christ. When we when we started our church with Pastor Rauf, uh, we went out every Tuesday morning and uh, go into the Arabic stores in Nolensville Road in Nashville, uh, stores owners we spoke to them and the, sp- uh, and the stores the customers in the stores we spoke to them about Christ hmm. uh, we gave away free Bibles right. and gospel tracts we did that for one year hmm. uh, then when he passed away lots of people came and they, they came to support me and they really liked the church and they they really liked the the, the passion that we had to other people and they actually came to help me and help my wife as well. Uh, we didn't want to stop the church. We continued, so it took us a, uh, a it took us time to bring the church together. Uh, then later we uh, ordained the elders at the church. So it took me time to organize the church inside, but I'm still 
still going for uh, Muslims or uh, evangelism, uh, the evangelism direction that was started in the past. I've been training uh, the youth, been training the elders, been telling them about the, the main direction that we had. So as we cared about inside the church, we cared also about outside. So tell me, tell me your, uh, the challenges that, that you face as you began to reach. I, I know that you had mentioned in our conversation about uh, the, uh, your, your focus at the very beginning was the Arabic. But uh, you're, since now you change directions, you're not necessarily going to come back later on and maybe do another refocus on the Arabic group. But basically, you're just reaching people in general. Right. That's what you're talking about. Right. Uh, I consider it as a resource as well, which have in the second generation, um, basically their own, their first language is in English now. So I want to use them to reach out to uh, Americans as well. I want to use them because I planted uh, the evangelism heart in them or the evangelism uh, vision in them. Now, you're talking about a first generation. So that means that you have... Uh, they ha- they're born here in the United States, right? Yes. So their their main language is or English. even it, even they came here in younger age, like uh, five years. They were five years or four years old. I consider them first generation. Sure. They, they were not born here. Sure. Because in first grade, second grade, like kindergarten, they went to the, to the uh, school here in the United States. Right. They never had any experience with learning learning the Arabic language, right. uh, writing in it or reading in it. So do you find that there's a generation there that the ones who are born here or haven't been here, that they were came early in age, that they've lost some of their language? Do you think that's... Right, yes. Yeah. So that does that become a challenge in reaching, if they're reaching more of, of uh, the Arabic groups or any other because they don't have the same communication? Is that a challenge? I, c- I consider it like a double-edged sword. They uh, do understand the Arabic culture, and we have plenty. Uh, we can, we can, we have the resource of the people who speaks Arabic, mm-hmm. and we don't have enough people that speaks English well, and they still understand the the real meaning of evangelism on reaching other people to Christ. Right. So, do you have any idea what the population in in Nashville that are Arabic speaking Arabic seventy thousand. 70,000. Yeah. Egyptians or 30,000? 30,000. Do you have any idea how many Arabic churches there are in Nashville? Uh, nine Coptic churches and evangelical, it's four churches. Four churches. Yeah. Wow. So we have a lot of work to do. Right, right. And many right. of those are Muslim primarily? Uh, many of the th- 70,000, yeah, like basically the, the other 40,000, most of them uh, are Muslims. Yeah. 40,000 Muslims. Wow. And I know your your goal is to reach everyone. Right. And and that's your church. But you do have a heart for Arabic. Right. Because that's your... Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, share with me what's being successful. What, what are you experiencing right now that's been very successful? You see God just really moving mm. in, in your church and, and what your ministry is. First is what's inside the church, what's going on inside the church. Inside the church... Uh, we didn't actually call ourselves the family, but we felt mm-hmm. the family, uh, the family emotions, the family love. We felt it inside the church. Yeah. So when we said that we are the family, and everybody just looked at each other with love, and they really recognized how 
uh, how how right or how true this is to be a family because they've been hurt. They've been hurt a lot from uh, uh, different directions and they came to the church and they felt the love inside the church. Mm-hmm. When we ordained the deacons, uh, elder, when we ordained the elders, they really appreciated them. Uh, that was a very big deal inside the church for organizing, organizing the congregation and appointed people there that way uh, we have a strong and solid base for the church that way that will allow me to uh, do more things Mm -hmm. since i have equipped leaders we also do the btcp or the uh, bible training center for pastors yeah or it's for two years and a half four hours of training per week we equip them at Mm -hmm. the church we they will be graduated right so it's very uh, academic uh, study because I, w- I wanted to have uh, equipped leaders at the church. Right. That way, that would allow me to train others to go out and reach uh, other people to Christ or mm-hmm. do the evangelism work with Muslims or with uh, Coptic people as well. Now, you made this, this, this is really a, a change that you've made, right? Right. And so, was that easy to make the change? Uh, no, nothing is easy at the church. <laughs> 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 no, nothing is easy, but um, with God's power, and if you're doing all this for God's glory, everything right. will be successful. Well, neat. Well, tell me your challenge personally. What's your biggest challenge as a pastor? Uh, personal challenges is spending equal effort between inside and outside the church. Inside the church, which means uh, visiting uh, visiting families and uh, encourage them and read the Bible with them in their in their different different situations. Uh, that's one. That's I spend a big time for that. Four days in a week, uh, which we don't have any activities at the church. Uh, I wait for Sarah, which is my wife, uh, wait for her until she comes back from her, her work at 3 o'clock p.m. Then um, she prepares herself for her second part of the day, which is going out and visiting families and read the Bible with them. Th- this takes time from us because right now we have about 17 families in the church wow. and yeah. we wanted to visit them and encourage them on a regular basis. And that, of course, will take us take from us the time that we that we spent before with other people mm-hmm. did not know the Christ. Mm-hmm. But now the seventeen families they know the Christ and they yeah. are believers, and they still want to be visited as well. Sure. So uh, I want to have uh, more time to spend more time with people like Muslim people. Right. I have plenty of families that I know and they uh, they love me and they like me. I go to their houses sometimes mm-hmm. every once in a while, uh, but I'm not doing uh, this this thing as, as before. Before was way better and I give them more time. Right. Well, it sounds like that your wife plays a very important part in this ministry. Right, right. So you all are going and just doing Bible study at homes. Right, right. And, and, but you're going to each family, is that right? Each Each of those couples? Is it you? Don't, are you doing a group Bible study? Or no, you, no, 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 no. So only one family. A one one family. Yeah. One family per visit. So we visit about uh, two families per night for four nights a week. Wow, I and mean, that's busy. And and you're, yeah. I'm sure you're probably there for a couple hours. Right. Yeah. So you get. I mean, you have a long day. Right. You, you work all. You work. I and work. Then, and yeah. then you come back, and you and your wife go out and right. have Bible study. Right. With those. I think that's pretty awesome because, you know, in in our uh, mentality of a church, 
is that we have Bible study or we have something called cell groups, which we go up meet at homes and we'll have a group of people. Mm. But you're going to a family. Right. And you're basically only dis- one family. You're discipling one family at right, a time. Right. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome because you you're given their your full attention to them right, and right. leading them right. closer to Christ. That's good. So we can have personal communication with them if they want to open a conversation about things that happen in their uh, family life. They can they they trust in us and sure. we solve any issues or we pray with them about anything right. they want to pray for. Well, and that's what being a pastor is all about. Right. I mean, you you really are. You're right there. Yeah. You're you're uh, discipling them, but also you're their counselor, and you're spending time with them weekly. Mm-hmm. You know, not just in a congregation that you maybe teach and you shake their hand. And, no, it's different. But it's different, <laughs> and that's that is so awesome that you're building those deep uh, relationships with them. Well, share with me a little bit also. I mean, I know you have other struggles because, I mean, I, I can't imagine how difficult it would be that you're working and you're trying to have a family and you're trying to do a ministry and you're trying to uh, balance all that uh, uh, with that relation, deep relationship with God. I know that that's a struggle, uh, but it sounds like the Lord has just continued to give you strength and courage right. through all this. That's right. Now, do you have mentors to help you that encourage you? Yes, I do. Uh, Pastor Terry Hudgens and Paul Gunn. Mm-hmm. That's from our church, Tusculum Hills. That's awesome. And that's important, isn't it? Right. It's very important. Yeah. I never could have done all what I did without them. Yeah. Even Brother William Burton. Yeah. He advised me a lot. I had to go back to him and ask him questions and get wisdom from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's three people. Well, and that's not typical either. I think probably a lot of the typical pastor or minister mm-hmm. uh, don't do not seek advice when right, they really right, should. Right. And, and and even though we all know that Satan is looking for opportunities to discourage that's us, right, that's right. we feel like we are strong and right, we're on our own, right. but we need each other, don't we? Right. Yeah. I've seen uh, lots of churches, uh, they got really down and uh, failing, uh, spiritual failing and not being successful at all. It's not about the number of the people who mm-hmm. attended the church, but everything is not going well with them because the lack of organization, mm-hmm. uh, they don't, they're not organized. They're, if, if they're not organized, that means they're not biblical. Mm-hmm. Because when uh, Paul uh, spoke with uh, Timothy, he spoke with him in two uh, different uh, messages about organizing the churches, right. and he talked with Titus as well, organizing the church. So three uh, three messages in the New Testament about, about how to organize a church and how you care about uh, others, how you care about the church. Right. Uh, Jesus himself talked with Peter and told him, if you love me, show me how you love by act, in action. Right. Feed my sheep. Yeah. I want you to feed my sheep. Right. So organization is a very important thing that I've learned uh, from my leaders. I consider them leaders or mentors, Pastor Terry Hudgens, Paul Gunn, and William Burton. And that's the New Testament church. Right. Well, share with me a little bit also about, I know that uh, we, right now, we are doing this interview while All Nations Camp is going on. And so you you must realize how important it is because you this is not the first time you've been here. This, this is my third. Yeah, so you keep bringing kids here. How many kids you bring this year? We're all with leaders, 26. 26, 26 yeah. kids. From the Arabic, uh, the Arabic congregation. So why is taking them away 
from their environment into an overnight setting like camp. How does that impact your church? Uh, actually bringing the kids together and spending like four days together, it's very important as the concept of the family that we have in the church, that we can be, uh, we're still able to do the, the family outside of the church and we can eat together and sleep in the same room and yeah. uh, uh, have conversations, um, not spiritual conversations, it's like about life, about everything that we can see um, each other and our nature and how how normal we are or right. how we live our right. lives. So it's it's a very it's a very important thing. Yeah. Now, have you had any uh, any of your kids come to know Christ this week so far? Yeah, one. You had one. Yes, awesome. I had one. Yeah. Well, and it and I'm excited to hear that how that does and it does you know and I know and it does change a person by taking them out of their environment. Right. And especially getting to know each other better because we we need to break down some walls, don't we? Right. Because we need one another. Well, Nathan. Uh, I'd like to thank you for just sharing with us really your passion for reaching the lost in Nashville. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure. It really is a pleasure that you're here and, and you've uh, taken a few minutes just for us to talk a little bit about you. this. Thank you. I'd also like to thank our listeners for uh, listening to our podcast today. If you have uh, any questions, we would love to hear from you. If you like have some questions for Nathan or what we do at TM Baptist Camps, please send us an email at ccinfo at tmbaptist.org. Until next time, I hope that you look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.